Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Toy Box Mouse Clubhouse. I'm your host, Jared, with our guests, Brett, George, and Tristan. Everyone say hi. Good evening. It's the Oscars for here. <laughs> well, anyway, we're all back to talk about Disney and whatnot and everything that's happened since our last episode. This episode is going to be split into two parts. Basically, the first part will be talking about the big Disney Investor Day where they dropped like 5,845 projects. It seems like (laughs) that they're developing. And then the second half will be all the Disney Plus originals that came out um, this November and December, such as Soul, High School Musical, The Holiday Special, the Taylor Swift folklore surprise concert album special and all that fun stuff <laughs> so anyway want to start off with the investor days news i'm just i'm just going to kind of go in order first they talked about hulu which for the u.s is going to be like the place for any project disney wants to do that's like adult focused and they also clearly Stay that if you're not in the U.S., you're going to get a little icon called Star, which will be integrated to Disney Plus app. So that's for you, Tristan, <laughs> over in Heck Canada. Yeah. Um, some interesting things they announced dealing with Hulu was that Searchlight and 20th Century Studios um, will start to launch films from made from them straight to Hulu. So I'm expecting, like, everybody's talking about Jamie. Maybe, like, Next Goal Wins will be Hulu original movies coming up. So that's going to be interesting. Some projects they talked about are Only Murders in the Building with Martin Short and Steve Martin and Selena Gomez, which will be, like, this really, this, like, comedy whatnot. Um, There's this... One I'm really interested in is this opioid crisis drama called Dope Sick, which is, like, exploring, like... Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it's called Dope Sick. I think it's based on, like, a book or something, and it's supposed to be, like, this YA tale of, like, drug effect all across America. And then David E. Kelly, I believe this is the guy... Is this the guy who did Big Little Lies? Yeah. Yeah, he's coming. He's bringing a new mystery called Nine Perfect Strangers with Nicole Kidman and Melissa McCarthy. So that's going to be interesting. FX is, which is also owned by Disney, is bringing a bunch of new stuff too. Like Why the Last Man, which I've heard is like a Greek comic series and highly anticipated. Wait, seriously? Wait, 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 wait. They're making a Why the Last Man series? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And my second favorite comic series, Saga, which I really want them to do an adaption of. So we're getting closer to that. Oh, shoot. I'm excited. Oh, my gosh. Jared, you just dropped a bomb on me. I hadn't heard this. Yes. Yes, I did. There we go. (laughs) Um, 
the two I'm really excited about that no one's kind of making any noise, but I'll make the noise for them is Takawa TD's Comedy Reservoir Dogs, which is going to oh. be about Native oh. American teenagers in Oklahoma. Oh, I'm so, that sounds awesome. Yeah. I feel like too many people are going to think by the title that's going to be like based on the Quentin Tarantino movie and will just be disappointed because of that. I, but I mean, it does it, like the image they released for it looks like a Tarantino movie. So maybe it's, it's supposed, maybe, maybe they'll reference it. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's I'm supposed excited. to me, it kind of looks like it's a parody, sort of, or like it's, or at least it's calling homage to it. Yeah. I don't really know. And then there's this anthology series by BJ Nofak, who's from The Office. Yes, yeah, so called, awesome. called Platform, and it's supposed to be, like, this anthology series about different, like, topics of today and branching off on these little stories. Like, the first one's going to be of Caitlin Den- Deaver and Lucas Hedges, and it's called The Valedictorian. Anyway, it sounds interesting. I'm in for it. Um, Noah Howley of uh, Fargo and Legion is making a TV show based on the Alien franchise on FX on Hulu. So that's going to be really interesting, too. And this article says that he pitched his idea to FX as, like, focusing more on the human drama of the Alien universe. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see a full-on series from Alien. Then the first big announcements were from lucasfilm aka star wars and all the different shows are getting on disney plus we're getting one um called rangers of the new republic which is in the same timeline as the mandalorian we're getting um a rogue one spinoff series Andor, starring diego luna that's the character from rogue one that like was with felicity huff what's her last name Jones. It was with them, Felicity Jones at the end of Rogue One, not to spoil in case you haven't seen Rogue One. Um, there is, oh, they announced that Hayden Christensen is going to be returning as Darth Vader and the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Yeah. Here, can I, can I, can I claim my, my issue? Yeah. I feel, okay, I said this in really crude terms in a group chat, and I'm going to avoid doing that. Tristan knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. I feel like uh, Disney is releasing way too much at once. Yeah. I feel like people are going to get really tired of this real fast. Yeah. I feel like, so, like, I'll never forget, like, in 2015, seeing The Force Awakens in the theater, and we hadn't seen a new Star Wars product since 2007, and that was, like, the coolest experience ever. But now we have, like, a Star Wars movie coming out every, like, year, and it's just like, oh, okay, here we go. And I think a lot of the magic of Force Awakens was the fact that, like, we got back to this universe on the big screen, years later reimagined in this new way. And I feel like that sort of magic of Star Wars is just gone because of how much Star Wars is coming at us at once. And I think, I mean, we'll get into it later because the new season came out. I think Mandalorian is a perfect example of how to keep the Star Wars magic alive because it feels like it's new and it's fresh. But I feel like with so many things coming, like I even saw like there's like this weird Rogue One prequel sequel thing with Patty Jenkins coming out or something and all this different stuff. I just feel like after a while people are going to go, okay, I get it, Star Wars. 
you know. Yeah. That's also my fear with Marvel. Because, cool. like, now that they have, like, Endgame, like, that's done and stuff. Like, they have, like, WandaVision now. They're about to have the Hawkeye series and the Falcon series. Yeah. And, and I, I was going to say the same thing, actually. I 100% agree with you. I think it's going to be the same issue with Marvel as well. But, like, what I'll tell you is that, like, I haven't been more excited for a Marvel product than WandaVision in a long time because it looks like it's unique and interesting and it actually looks like a clever idea unlike some of the other ones coming out later like loki i don't i don't care at all <laughs> about a loki series but like wandavision seems like it's a cool idea you know yeah yeah i i think what i'm worried about with marvel oh well i guess we'll talk about marvel more but especially star wars is that like now that rise of skywalker has come out and it disappointed a lot of people what are we building up to? Because now it just feels yeah. like a bunch of, like, they're going in a bunch of directions, but it's not building to anything. It's just, like, all of these, like, loose ideas being thrown at you. And I don't know. I feel like it's oversaturization. Um, and same with Marvel. Like, I guess they're continuing that timeline. And with Marvel, I think they're doing a bit of a better job because they're getting, like, interesting directors in there and it. I, I like what they're doing with, like, connecting the TV shows to the movies. They're keeping people engaged even after Endgame. But with Star Wars, I, I just fear, like, outside of The Mandalorian, which has become this big property on its own, even outside of the, the franchise itself, um, I feel like a lot of these, like, especially, like, the Rogue One stuff, like, it's it's going to be forgotten very soon after it comes out. And it's just too much, and people are going to get sick of Star Wars if they're not already. Um, so I think they should have just continued with the uh, the Mandalorian, maybe given us some... I, I think there's going to be one based on that character from the Clone Wars, right? Yeah, Ahsoka, yeah. That one I think could be interesting, because that's a character people have always wanted to see more of. Um, people really like her. And uh, I think that could be an interesting series and a direction for the franchise to go. Why is it necessary? Why do we need that? That's what they gotta. That's what they gotta ask. I'm afraid some of these series are gonna be like Star Wars fan porn. Like, whoa, yeah. this is what you've always wanted to see. This is what you wrote in the expanded universe novels that, like, that guy that my buddy Eric read. You know. <laughs> so my point of view of all this is like i don't know honestly (laughs) like i like that's my point on a lot of issues but if i'm looking at disney's side they have said that they've wanted to take their focus solely on streaming on disney plus right um and they've been told this past year like oh, there's not enough original content, not enough original content, not enough original content. And I think that's solely because, A, COVID, you know, and it's, it's been the Mandalorian holding, like, their biggest original content for the longest time. And so because of that, I think Disney is just, we're going to make a bunch of tomatoes, we're going to throw them at this wall, and hopefully at least three of them stick you know yeah yeah and i totally see that but like 
What made so what's really interesting is that Disney's been trying to make the Star Wars thing stick since The Force Awakens, and it seems like The Mandalorian has perpetrated the pop culture wall more efficiently than anything they've done so far because of the reveal of Baby Yoda and all of that. And it just continues to build and build hype. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able just to do that over and over again like they think they might be able to because the Mandalorian was an idea that Jon Favreau had and then they executed it well. It seems like a lot of these just seem like, oh, the fans would want this. And I think that's going to be the concern. I mean, we'll talk about, I'm sure we'll talk about Mandalorian Season 2 when we get to everything, because I have a lot I have to say about that, but... Yeah. I think so, the uh, route yeah. they're taking with uh, Star Wars and Marvel, it's Disney's way of, like, uh, the, of doing the one Tim and Eric skit where it's like, it's free real estate. It's free real estate. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Do you not know the Tim and Eric skit? It's it's free real estate. Yeah, it's, it's, free free, real estate. it's free real estate. You don't know that? I do, but like, not really. No, I don't. I've heard That's of it. I'm rude about everything in life. It's free real estate. So not a lot of people really know this, at least in my point of view. But hey, Lucasfilm does other things other than Star Wars. Yep. I know it's shocking. So, red Tails. Let's get a Red Tail series. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, they confirmed that they are going to make a Willow Disney Plus series with a pilot <laughs> from the guy who directed Crazy Rich Asians and what? In the Heights. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm more hyped for that than anything Star and, Wars, honestly. And Warwick Davis is coming back, so let's start the hype train, everyone. Um, there's going to be a there's going to be a fifth Indiana Jones movie directed by James Mangold that'll come out July 2022. And this is really interesting. They're making this movie called Children of Blood and Bone. I guess it's it's apparently based off a book. And it follows this girl as she attempts to restore magic to the kingdom of Orshia following the ruling class's brutal suspicion of the class of magic practitioners. It's supposedly really popular. And mm. <laughs> something I want to see from Lucasfilm. And, Definitely. You no, know, you know, something I... Well, I was actually going to lead into something else, but that is something I want to see. Ah. Um, something I want to see from Lucasfilm, and they have the rights to this movie, because this is, this is George Lucas's first film, uh, but I want to see them like kind of ba- base something off of THX 1138, which... Yeah, as I said, is George Lucas's first film, made on a bud- budget of like seven hundred seventy thousand dollars or some shit like that. It's like, it, so like you know by today's standards, it's pretty indie, but even for that for that time, it was, it was indie. It it, it had like Robert Duvall, in it like before he was a big name, and like that film. I know it was really like, like it, it's it's this heady sci-fi movie, and it has a pretty interesting like making of movie. It's really fast. It's a fascinating movie. It's not like a perfect movie, but I think it's one that you could like, that like you could really dig into and stuff. And I would like to see them kind of expect like do something based on that because I'm kind of curious like, you know 
what that whole thing is all about. But I also would like to see them do like a 4K remastered edition of it, like a 4K version, but of the original because as you know, we as George Lucas did with the Star Wars uh, original trilogy, he changed a lot of the movie besides just remastering it to HD. Like he changed a lot of the special effects and stuff. Like you know, George Lucasing it, ironically enough, and like a lot of the like effects and stuff. Like it just doesn't have the same charm anymore that the original film did. And you know, like this, like they did with the Star Wars movies, and like they did with the first Evil Dead movie, also, like the Blu-ray for that movie. Like, like, like uh, there's a lot of like the original cut of that movie. You see like one of the actors hiding in the bushes. And like the map cut out of the moon and stuff like that, and it's it's really, and the Blu-ray kind of removes all that, and it's like, it kind of removes the charm of the film, um, from what at least from what I understand. I haven't actually watched the movie on Blu-ray, but I've watched like certain clips of it, and it's like, th- this is just like this just doesn't work. And THX, I haven't seen the original version, but, like, you know, if you go on, like, I don't know, moviecensorship.com or something like that, and you look up THX, they actually changed a lot more than what was necessary. Like, when you watch the film now, it's in green text, but the original version had white text, for example. And it's just so weird. Anyway, that's my long tangent about THX. I would, like, I just want to see them do do something kind of based on that. I would like to see them do an American Graffiti series. That would be cool. Too. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. So, uh, like, I've always said that, like, as much as I, I love Star Wars, of course, and George Lucas, I always felt like Star Wars did strive for his creativity as a filmmaker, which was kind of sad. Because, like, before Star Wars, he did THX and he did American Graffiti. But he seemed like this really interesting, intriguing filmmaker made Star Wars, which of course is amazing and broke him in the mainstream, but then after that he had expectations of being the guy who changed film and I think that kind of strifled other projects he could have done except for like Howard the Duck (laughs) (laughs) Can they do a Howard the Duck series? I would actually try Uh, That would be amazing, That would be so good I I really want them to do something like that I know Hulu was supposed to talk about making an animated series, which I was down for, but they cancelled that so, yeah, yeah, you know, but regardless, I mean, yeah, I think the Marvel and the Star Wars stuff, I mean, I don't have too much to say about it, because pretty much, for me, I'm just like, it just seems like a bunch of numbers right now, and a bunch of dates, and ideas, and that's about it, and yeah. I know that's what a press conference is, but like, I, I'm really hyped for WandaVision, I think it looks amazing, I think it could end up being a fantastic series. And it's, I think, the breath of fresh air that Marvel's needed for a very long time. Um, I think Bucky and the Winter Soldier, uh, the no Bucky and Falcon show, I think it looks like a ton of fun. I'll probably watch it. Yeah, I think it's yeah. Fun. yeah it looks cool. Um, I don't care about Loki. Um, what else was there? You see, I'm forgetting them now. Like, there's just so many. We get to Marvel, I guess. Oh, we'll oh, talk. oh. Hawkeye. Oh, I didn't realize for so. I'm sorry. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. I would care less about, except for the fact that Kate Bishop is going to be the Hawkeye instead, and Kate Bishop is played by my wife, Haley Steinfeld. <laughs> will be the greatest series of all time. You 
need to watch Dickinson on Apple TV Plus. She is yeah, amazing. Uh, she's so good. Season two is gonna start next month, and I'm so excited. Mm. So uh, I heard Wiz Khalifa plays death in that show. Yes, he, he does. Any weed with uh, with Haley Yes, Stein, he. That's so it weird. is um, it's amazing. It is freaking amazing what they do on that show, and it's so unique. And if it was like on Netflix. It would be renewed for 10 seasons right now. I'll tell you that right now. There would have been, like, posters all over and merchandise, and yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so the next little thing, brand that Disney owns is National Geographic, which is, like, I hate to say this, but, like, the sad little cousin that eats in the corner at Thanksgiving <laughs> in terms of all this. But they announced some cool stuff, too. Like, they're going to do a documentary called A Real Bug's Life, which is going to be, like, a revolutionary documentary film from a bug's point of view. There's going to be um, Chris Hemsworth challenging himself to do crazy things with his body in a series called Limitless. Um. And a d- <laughs> that sounds wait, weird. Wait, <laughs> the movie with Bradley Cooper and Robert De Niro? I'm sorry, that was a bad joke. Wait, what? Um, <laughs> that was a movie with Bradley Cooper and Robert De Niro. Oh, yeah. And a Darren Aronofsky. Mm. Darren Can't Aronofsky. Can't his last name. Yeah. He, he's making a series with Will Smith about a journey to unlock the secrets of the planet's most extraordinary, unexplained phenomena. I, so can't, I, tell whether, I can't tell whether that's going to be Mother or Noah. More Noah, I'm thinking. Okay, if so, then I'm not watching it, because Noah was bad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but Mother was good, so... Oh, wait, really? You like Mother, too? Yeah, I thought you it... hated it, George. What? No, I didn't hate it. Heck yeah, jump on the Mother train with me. Love that. Yeah, mother <laughs> um, it's mother not slaps. Mother it slaps. does, thank you. It's so good. Not good. And it, I went neither it's Noah, me. neither is Black Swan, Darren Aronofsky's a hack. Come at me. Black That's Swan is a masterpiece. No, yeah, so good. Black Swan, like it starts and they just pretty much are like, yeah, this is the story of the Black Swan. I'm like, well, cool. I know where the movie's gonna go, and the movie proceeds to go exactly that direction. Is one of the best performances of the last decade. Like, holy crap. Yeah, it's super overrated in my opinion. It's like not good. Wow. That's... Yeah. I don't. I don't think Aronofsky's made a good movie. At least that I've seen. Not gonna lie. So maybe try Requiem for a Dream. Actually, I don't know. About that. No, I heard it's good though. Uh, off, off topic uh, from the Disney stuff, but it, it's it is upsetting how Black Swan has a higher letterbox rating than The Social Network. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't really stupid. That's ridiculous. <laughs> The Social Network's like a perfect movie, and Black Swan is like up its own butt. <laughs> well, I don't know what's rougher, that or your take that Irishman looks like an episode of Modern Family. Yeah. yeah. The Irishman's a better movie than Black Swan. Well, of course. I mean, I would probably agree with that. <laughs> but neither one of them are great. Ooh. Okay, well, let's move okay. on. <laughs> okay, so the, the Disney Plus original TV series that are going to be coming that they talked about are... They're making a Mighty Ducks series, which the trailer, the trailer doesn't look good. I'll say that, but there is a, there is a part where there's a kid saying, 
my body is not built for hockey. I'm more of a podcast body. <laughs> what? <laughs> and so. No, I agree. I would not be an acid physically. I have more of a podcast body. That's amazing. That's going to be my new intro for every podcast that we do from now on. Yeah. It's great. Uh, then they're making Yeah, stick in front of Gold Derby Horses is cool. <laughs> they're making a Turner and Hooch series. Wait, too. what? Yeah. Why? No, yeah. I'm actually mad. Just a second. Why on earth are they doing that? That's so dumb. The way, okay, the way lady, the lady presented that was the head of TV was like, we're making a Turner and Hooch series with Josh Peck. You might not know who he what? is, but your kids know who he is. Uh... <laughs> oh, no. No. Everyone who grew up in the 2000s though, who's, knows who Josh Peck is. What the fuck? <laughs> that sounds like a fever dream, not going to lie. It's going to be interesting. (laughs) Next is they're making a girls high school basketball series with John Stamos called Big Shot. Not going to lie, it doesn't look like shit. It's his way back, guys. Not getting the trailer. Like, he's a college, like, basketball coach. He gets fired. And so he goes to teach this girls basketball team. Trailer doesn't look awful like i'm not gonna lie <laughs> but it's probably gonna be super formulaic i don't know can disney finally do a peter and the star catchers adaption hopefully and if that happens can we hire tyler to reply as well <laughs> but um <laughs> sadly the show like got two different like positive covid tests during their their production <laughs> and they've got to shut they've like shut down till january they still have to finish filming like two episodes so if yeah. anyone by any chance is listening is working on that show please stay safe <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then i i honestly think everyone's here is gonna love this next show it's called the mysterious bandit society and it's very wes anderson like from the trailer it's like, like the plot sounds super formulaic when I say it to you, right? It's gonna, it's this um, group of orphans who are recruited to save the world because they think differently, blah blah blah. But like, it's so like uniquely weird, and like the closest thing from the trailer that I can describe is very like Wes Anderson-y. I, it it has my interest. I'm I'm probably very excited for that next year. I think it's going to be interesting. Then these two projects, I probably will agree with you guys that we don't need, like, a Beauty and the Beast prequel. No. <laughs> um, where there's They're going to reboot Swiss Family Robinson. With, oh, heck yeah, that's exciting. And they're making a TV adaptation of the Percy Jackson series. I don't know if anyone else read the books oh. like I did oh. when I was younger. I am so excited for that, actually. That's going to be so good. Yeah. That's I'm not really part of the two. I was... Okay. I'm really excited about that. I'm really hoping that works because Percy Jackson was like my childhood. Like, you, you know who I can see would be probably the perfect fit for Percy Jackson? Noah Jupe. Yeah, well, but Noah Jupe wants to be an indie kid, so it's not going to That's happen. true. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say Noah Centineo. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> 
You mean Noah Cilantro? Yes. So do you guys uh, know that Percy Jackson had a musical that came out recently, right? Yes. And it went to Broadway. Okay, so <laughs> the Tonys released their nominations this year, but Broadway was only open for like a month and a half. And so like all the musicals that are nominated are just gonna be the musicals that are, came out the month and a half, right? And so then the nominations came out and they nominated every musical that came out this year but Percy Jackson the musical. <laughs> And there are yeah. only like four musicals. Yeah, there's only That's four musicals. That's so rad. There was only four musicals and they nominated three musicals. Was it really that bad? I don't know. I don't think so. They just did I've not... heard people like it. Yeah. It's it's kind of insane, honestly. But they would just be like, you know what? Nope. I know only four musicals came out this year, but you don't get recognition. Like that's rough. Yeah. Yeah, they nominated Moulin Rouge. Yeah, and that's awful. Have you listened to that? Cast? I have not. It's just like, so like, the original Milan Rouge, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I know people love it. The music's still, yes. the music's still really cool in it. And Ian McGregor slaps. But, um, like, okay, the new soundtrack, like, they have a bunch of contemporary 2010 hits instead of, like, Elton John. I think they might still have Candle in the Wind. I hope so. Or, no, 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 it wasn't Candle in the Wind. It was your song, Your right? song, yeah. Oh, that's right. I think they might still have that in the Broadway cast. Like, the Broadway cast, I was like, Raise Your Glass from Pink. Oh, no. Firework. <laughs> and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. One of them is the melody of Shut Up and Dance With Me and Raise Your Glass. Here, let me play us. Let me, let me... Oh, don't you dare look back. Just keep your eyes oh, on God. me. She said you're holding back. She said, Shut up and dance with me. This woman is my destiny. She said, Ooh, So, yeah, they nominated this over the Percy Jackson musical. That's rough. Uh, sweet Jesus. That was a big tangent. There anyway, I still love the original Milan Rouge movie, not gonna lie here. <laughs> I need to rewatch uh, it. I kind of hated it after when I saw it, but I think that's partly because of the nostalgia critic review. Yeah, it's okay. Me and Shout Hayden. Hayden, Hayden gets it. Hayden, if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> Hayden Elmore should just like. I feel like the company that made Mulan Rouge should pay Hayden Elmore a thousand dollars a year because he is promoting that movie and bringing it to the light like every it's, other day. <laughs> it's 20th Century Studios, so. So yeah. Disney could be paying him. <laughs> yeah, Disney needs to be paying Hayden because he's doing the yeah. marketing. So now I'll transition to Disney films. And this next one is going to be Brett's favorite movie. Not going to lie. Hocus Pocus 2. <laughs> no. 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 We're moving on. Anyway. Um. Zach Efron starring a three men and a baby remake. What? <laughs> wait, what? You say that again? Wait, wait, wait. I haven't processed that. Can you read that again? Zach Efron is starring in a three men and a baby remake. <laughs> what is going on? 
Uh, it's 2020, man. We're just <laughs> the world's going a little crazy. These can't be real. You <laughs> just keep reading. Days. Every <laughs> single one is like a fever dream. Guys, guys, we have to, we have to rabbit that when it comes. Yeah, back. we have to. <laughs> that was beautiful. That together. Rabbit, that's a throwback, but yeah. Um, you sing the original, but I know I have to watch this. Uh, they're making an animated Diary of a Wimpy Kid movie. That looks awesome! Yeah, that could be really good. I that, feel like that's going to be my sick. favorite movie ever. I love Diary of a Wimpy Kid. It's going to be called The Buck and Long Hall, that's for sure. Yeah. They're, they're um, going to make a new Ice Age movie called The Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild. <laughs> oh my god. Why? Need it. And an animated Night at the Museum movie. Why? <laughs> Are they um, coming back? It's going to be all about it. I don't know. Um, I think this has the potential to be really interesting. Chippendale Rescue Rangers with yes, John Mulaney yes. and Andy Samberg. Jared, Hi. let me go off real quick. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. But Chippendale Rescue Rangers is like 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 a really big thing for me. It's like my my childhood. Like Chippendale Rescue Rangers is like I, I binged that series on the way to Disney one time and I've I've seen it a lot and like I but, love it so much. And like it is like this precious thing to me. So anytime like any article is like Chippendale Rescue Rangers reboot, I'm like, leave it alone or else I will find you. Like, I get really passionate because I'm like, I don't want my Chippendale Rescue Rangers to be freaking Alvin and Chipmunks to Squeakle 5 because it, this is sacred ground we're talking about. And so I heard that Disney Plus was doing a live action reboot. Our, our friend Talk actually sent me the article because he knew how upset I would be. And I was like, I am so pissed. Like I was I was like mad, like legitimately fuming at the thought of them doing that cuz I was like this is this is sacred. And then and then the and then this press conference happened and they're like, "Okay, so we've casted John Mulaney as Chip and Andy Samberg as Dale." And I'm like, "Well, shoot. Those are like actual talented people. They're not just like getting Jason Lee to come back to do another <laughs> movie." Like so I'm I'm curious. What I'm really curious about is I feel like they should do what they do with DuckTales and not actually make the voices like Chip and Dale. Just keep it like John Mulaney and Andy Samberg. Like, don't make them all chipmunk-like. Because I think that could end up being a mistake. Because why on earth would you hire John Mulaney and then make his voice not sound like John Mulaney? But I think if they have those comedic sensibilities into this, I like this could not be this could be not terrible, and I'm actually really anticipating it. And the fact that I could go from being like, if you touch this, I will literally scream. To okay, we'll see what happens. I think just shows how much I like John Mulaney as a human. I don't know. So this is. This the Rescue Rangers movie will be directed by the guy who directed Popstar Never Stopping, which oh, I've heard is really good. It's and yeah. And so like I think that, and in itself like has a good like I have a good feeling it's gonna succeed. You know. Okay. If, if um, it is being good, I'll end up loving it. Like I'll stand it hard. Um, Tom Hanks is going to be in the Pinocchio remake by, with Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> yeah, that actually, you know what? 
you can laugh all you want. I think it looks pretty good. Like I, I, I watched their little like clip of it, of the test. I think it looks cool. Um, Zemeckis has been very hit and miss lately, so we'll see. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. I think, I think I, I would, I, I would just rather watch the Guillermo del Toro version that he's doing. Oh, I think, I think that's gonna be more interesting. Of course, and I completely agree with you because the del Toro Pinocchio. It's one of my most anticipated movies in the next 10 years. But, like, this Pinocchio could end up being cute. And the only thing is I'm kind of sad because originally pinned to do it was Paul King, which, if you guys don't know, directed the Paddington movies. And I thought that would have slapped, but he dropped it, so they got some Mechus. So let's see why he dropped it. I guess I'm concerned for that. I think it was family reasons. There was some issue that was going on with his family. Someone died or something. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Well, prayers for Paul King, who made the let best me, Let me look it up, actually. Why did Paul King drop it? And then David Lowry. Isn't that the guy who did um, Pete's Dragon? Oh, yeah, yeah. We see on David Lowry. He also did a yeah. ghost story, which is, like, one of the best A24 movies. So he's making a new movie for Disney called Peter Pan and Wendy. That's going to come to Disney+. Plus. That's him? Yeah. Oh, that's my most anticipated movie ever now. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess her names up so much. I'm so sorry. Yara Shadidi is going to be Tinkerbell, which is that girl from um, Blackish. Oh, okay. And I think I, think I heard, like, um, Jude Law is going to be Captain Hook. I don't oh. know if that's confirmed or not. Well, dope. Is this a movie then, or a series? It's a movie. Nice. And then we're getting a sequel to Enchanted, Disenchanted. Thank you. It yeah. And then there's going to be Andy a... Is coming back? Yeah. And so is um, Patrick... Dempsey? With a D. Yeah, he's coming back too. Okay. Well, that's very interesting because... Enchanted is this movie that, like, never really gets talked about in the Disney canon, even though it's, like, a fantastic movie. It's not even on Disney+, Plus, which is really weird. That is very weird. Like, like Gazelle is a great Disney princess. The movie's awesome. It totally works as, like, this kind of dissection of the Disney lore, but it also is this charming fish-out-of-water elf type of story. And I've always really liked that movie, and it's never gotten the love that it deserved. So if Disenchantment can help it come back to the mainstream, like, I'm into it. Just make it good. Um, Whippy Goldberg's coming back to do Sister Act 3, also for Disney+. Plus. Sounds be interesting. <laughs> Actually, coming to theaters will be Jungle Cruise for July 2021. They're keeping that theater release. Barry Jenkins' live act. Our CGI Lion King prequel, which Disney revealed will have music from Hans Zimmer, Pharrell, and Succession's Nicholas Bertel. Oh, okay. amazing. Nicholas Bertel is the guy who composed Moonlight and uh, If Beale Street Could Talk. I love the and Succession. And Bite. You know what's um, kind of funny is that uh, Barry Jenkins apparently did this because Chloe Jaw. Uh, did Eternals and he was like well she could do it he can do it and what's also kind of interesting is I found that the ja- Chloe Zhao was actually the one who reached out to Marvel and said she wanted to do something with them so that was I mean it's like will. 
This is the guy who did Moonlight and if Beale Street could talk. So, like, he has the talent to do something. I I feel like it'll be great, whatever it is, you know? This is one I'm, like, unironically curious to see. Because, like, I, I fucking hated the 2019 version. I thought it was the worst oh, movie. Oh, it sucked. I, I thought it was the worst movie of that year, Easy. What I don't even... I don't even think the visual effects are that good. I'm I'm not gonna lie. Oh, you mean the Lion King? There are two yeah, photorealistic. Yeah. It's kind of scary. Yeah. It, it was okay. I never. I didn't get the like this the astounding hate for it. Me neither. Just like I just thought it kind of existed. Yeah, I think it's okay. <laughs> like there were way worse movies that year. Yeah, made. I totally agree. Like this hatred, like this this passionate hatred for it, I never understood. I just thought. Part of it, I think, comes, just comes from the fact that I love The Lion King so much. Like, it, it's my favorite Disney movie, and I, I love the soundtrack to it. And it's just, oh man, it's such, an, it's such a perfect yeah. film. And then for them to go and like do this shit to it, and like basically not change anything, but what they did change just was just like made was worse. And it's just like a completely soulless cash grab that does nothing to enhance the experience of the original film and so yeah um so but 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 barry jenkins doing this prequel that's actually something kind of interesting i don't know if it's um gonna be in in any sort of way tying into like Lion King one and a half, which is you know Timon and Pumbaa's side of the story, and like they show where they came from and all that, all that stuff. But I I, I think this could be something interesting, and I think if Disney plays their cards right and lets Barry um, do what he wants to do with it, then I think we could have something good on our hands. Yeah. So the next kind of brand we'll be moving on to is Disney Animation. Woo. Love animation. Um, their first big announcement was that Raya and the Last Dragon will be in theaters, but also be on Disney Plus March 15th. They will be doing that premium access thing again if you watch it on Disney Plus like they did with Mulan, which will be interesting to try that out again. Uh, I think it's okay this time because they're also giving you the option to see in theaters. With yeah, Mulan. I feel the same way. And Ray and the Last Dragon looks awesome, too. Uh, it, it gives me Avatar vibes. Avatar oh, and Princess Mononoke vibes. And like Avatar, Avatar the Blue People? Sorry, Last Airbender. Oh, okay. I think I think we know what he's talking about. No, I thought he was talking about the Blue People. Oh. <laughs> that was one of the good vibes, then. Ray and the Last Dragon was directed by the guy who did Blindspotting. So, like, that's really interesting. Oh! Oh, oh. wait. Wait, he's doing yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, so that's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Like it's insane. Like that's gonna be his next big profile thing. So I'm really excited. Hey, um, so I'm sorry for uh, cutting into the podcast here. I feel like I've had to do this a couple other times, but um, when we recorded this, we used the uh, Skype recording feature, and in exporting it from Skype, about uh, a few seconds of audio was uh lost from this recording 
And this has happened before, but I'm usually able to salvage those parts through screen recording uh, with QuickTime Player. But um, with this, I cannot do it. It's, it's just impossible. So I'm cutting in here to tell you that this conversation started with Jared introducing the new Moana, Big Hero 6, and Zootopia-themed shows. And the conversation continues from there like normal, and you could hear it just fine. Again, I am sorry to cut into the podcast like this. Um, from now on, we are no longer using the Skype uh, recording feature to record the podcast. We may use a Discord recording bot if those are better. But unless then, we're just going to individually record ourselves and I'm going to compile the recordings together for all future podcasts from now on. Again, sorry for cutting in. and like i feel like that movie enough people really love it that it's gonna like gain a lot of traction what would a baymax series look like like that's a dumb idea sorry (laughs) like hmm, i have mixed feelings because i think for really little kids who like superheroes they might enjoy that is it gonna be like skits therefore i wanted a strifled kid's joy yeah but um it's based they're, on a movie that wasn't good, so... Yeah. I they're like not it. giving too much info on, like, what it's going to really be about, but I think, like, the vibe game is... So, Zootopia show is actually called Zootopia Plus, and it's supposed to focus more on, like, the supporting characters. So, like, oh. Baymax and Zootopia Plus are giving me skit short feelings, while Tiana Moana are going to be, like actual like shows with plot you know okay but i think an idea of making a series in the world of zootopia but like having different characters in zootopia interact with each other like not just the main character that could be a really interesting idea for a series yeah imagine yeah. a sitcom taking place in zootopia that would be sick yeah like i i, I dig that i think that's fun and I, you know what, I think, uh, like, shorts, Bay- Baymax shorts could, could work, and I think they, they could, like, be good for kids, but, like, a full series would be dumb. Yeah. And then this next thing they announced sounds super cool. It's in a first-of-its-kind collaboration, Disney Animation and Pan-African Entertainment Company Kugel will team up to create an all-new science fiction series coming to Disney Plus in 2022. And it's called Iwuju, I-W-A-J-U, that's in a futuristic ver- version of Lagos, and it will explore, like, class, racism, innocence. I, I, it has, like, a really epic feel to it, and the little concept art that they released looks really cool. So, 
I, I'm I'm just super excited. Then on the film side, the, um, they're planning next fall to release a new movie called Encanto about a musical family in Colombia, a magical family in Colombia that lives in a musical home and the one girl who doesn't have any powers. And there's going to be music written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. So oh, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be really interesting. It's very much giving me Coco vibes and a little teaser they released. So I'm just I'm just excited about that one, too. What if this movie gets Lin-Manuel who's he got? You never know. Zootopia's Brian Howard and Jared Bush are co-writing and co-directing with Charisse Castro-Smith. So, yeah. That sounds cool. Then there's Pixar, our next brand. Yeah. Uh, they're doing a show called Doug Days, which is about the the dog from Up trying to make his way in suburbia coming fall 2022. <laughs> wait, what? Fall 2021. Wait, wait, like Doug, like the dog, the the golden the dog Re- from Up, yeah. Okay, we don't need that. Um. <laughs> but do we need a car series about Lane McQueen and Mater traveling around the country? <laughs> no. Okay, stop. That kind of sounds fun. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, like, but no one no one talked about this next one, and it sounds so cool. It's a new, brand new, original series called Win or Lose, and it tells the story of a middle school softball team and the lead-up to a big championship game with each episode from the perspective of a different character. Okay, yeah, I read about this, and it sounds great. I'm really into it. I I'll am just, so... Yeah. It sounds so, awesome. Yeah, I'm a sucker for, like... Like little things like that, where like every episode's a different perspective, and kind of like, like, yeah. <laughs> but see, it's that, gonna... that sounds like Pixar had an idea for a show. The other one yeah. sounds like, oh, this would make money. Yeah. The yeah. sucky part is this winner lose is going to come out fall two thousand and twenty three. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, we love waiting. Oh, boy, Let me think. So that's two years from now, right? Yeah. I'll be 24. <sighs> um, then Pixar's next feature film is Luca, about two best friends growing up in Italy, coming theaters June 2021. It's then, like, Call Me By Your Name with Sea Monsters. I hope it's like, Call Me By Your Name. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't want the peach scene, but in Pixar animated, they're form. not gonna do like the peach. If it's like I gay, I I would I, love it, but I know they're not gonna do that. I was making a joke. <laughs> I know, but I'm saying like I don't know. Then the oh, so I didn't know this before, but the director of that short bow, which is the one with the that premiere from Incredibles two, if you guys remembered. That was like the dumpling. That was her son. That was the yeah, mother's son. It's it's one of the best Pixar shorts. So the director of that, um, Dom Shi, is making her own film called Turning Red about a teenager named Me who turns into a giant red panda when she gets too excited. That'll be in theaters March 11th, 2022. It sounds so good. I'm so excited. I disagree. I think that sounds ridiculous. Oh, it sounds <laughs> it sounds so charming. I'm with Brett. I'm with Brett. I think it sounds kind of cool. 
A girl turns into too. a giant red panda of when course. she gets excited. What the heck? Yes, that sounds like an anime plot. I love it. Yeah, it does, but, like, yeah, exactly. I don't know how but, that's going to work with Pixar. But Yeah, it's Pixar. I think they'll find a way to make it charming and good, and... We'll get yeah. into this in a bit, but I think with Soul, Pixar has definitely shown that, like, hey, we're not just, like, Disney 2.0. Like, we are a completely distinctive, separate section of animation and workers. And I think I'm, they should be as weird and inventive as they possibly can. That's obviously where they're working their best. True. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. who knows, this train red thing could be, like, all about, like, anxiety and and, like, growing up and fitting in and be, like, a really, like, inept metaphor for that for all we know and i totally really think it is i totally think that's what they're going for which is cool what if it's yeah, the animated right. version of eighth grade uh, and i would cry <laughs> a lot and then the last thing they kind of like mike dropped with, with pixar is they're making a movie called lightyear that's coming out june 17 2022 and just to be clear, it's not about Buzz Lightyear, but it's based on the human that the toy is based off in the Toy Story world. <laughs> That's gonna be Wait, voiced what? by Chris. So um, I get. So yeah, I guess in the ew. Toy Story world, Buzz Lightyear is based off a human, and this story will be this film will be the story of that human. Yeah. At least it's just straight up not Toy Story five. That's a yeah. horrible idea. So, yeah. <laughs> When I first, which, number one, Tristan, I thought we talked about this for, like, extensive time on the chat, but I don't know if you saw this. But I think, like, at first I was like, no, that's dumb. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know what, they have an idea. Let's let's see what they can do with it. I don't know. It, it's, it's, like, it's weird enough. It's not just, like, because whenever I first read Lightyear, I was like, a Buzz Lightyear spinoff? That's dumb. And then they were like, but it's it's the story of Buzz Lightyear. I'm like, that's that's just weird enough to where it might work. But it also seems like it could be completely unnecessary. Yeah, it's, it sounds unnecessary to me. And I don't want to be a skeptic because I love Pixar and I'm a massive fan. But that sounds weird. I, I would like a Buzz Lightyear show, though, where he's like fighting the guy from the second movie. Zerg? Yeah, Zerg. That would be sick. Have you heard of the show Buzz Lightyear of Star Command? I have, yeah. But yeah. I, I want, like, a Disney Plus, like, updated show with, like, Pixar photorealistic animation and stuff. That would Buzz be Lightyear awesome. Astro Blaster at the Disney Parks is my jam. I don't know about you, Brett. <laughs> oh, I just feel like I'm shooting cardboard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have fun. fun with it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's fine. It's it's cute. It's no like Greater Things Racer, but it's no. It's ten minutes of fun. I don't know. But and what then, is Radiator Spring Racer? It's one of the best rides ever made. It's a hundred percent totally is. And then lastly, Marvel Studios, which I hate to say this, but I kind of disagree with the little tangent at the beginning. I think all their or most of their 
content seems super interesting. Like, I'm super behind WandaVision. Yes. Which will be out this January, and I believe we'll be talking about in our next episode. Wait, that uh, that soon? I thought it was, like, June or something. That's no, it was January 15th. Yeah. That's exciting. Wow. I'm, I'm yeah. Like... Um, it's just... Oh my gosh, like the hype is so real and it's so close and I'm so excited. It looks so Yeah. Like and the newest trailer they dropped on Christmas Day, there's that scene where Catherine Hans like, Oh, wait, let me start from the top. I'm like, this show's gonna be so weird and I can't wait for them to go into it, all in on it. And uh yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Then they reveal that Falcon Winter Soldier is gonna come out March nineteenth. And I'm excited for that because who doesn't love a good it it gives me Mission Impossible vibes with like a buddy road trip movie. So that's gonna be really fun. Uh then Loki's coming in May, which will be interesting enough, I think. I am I Tom Hillston I think brings enough to the role that I'm not gonna be super disappointed watching it. I'm surprised not a lot more people are talking about this next one that's going to come out next summer called What If, which is going to be, um, like, different episodes explaining, like, what if someone did this? They have and a then, Marvel, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. They have a Marvel comic series called What If, which is based off of that. And it's yeah. just a thing with alternative timelines, which is it's pretty cool. Yeah. And then I believe Disney themselves confirmed, like, this will actually, like, be... Chadwick's final role because he recorded for his episode of like like from the trailers it seems like it was like what if Black Panther was actually Star Lord so I think that's going to be really interesting to see and yeah on the film side of things Black Widow still planning to come out the years May seventh next year they have Rat Protection on Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and that'll be out on July 9th of next year. Doctor Strange 2 is going to be in March 25th, 2022, and will tie into WandaVision somehow. Miss uh, mm. Marvel, Miss Marvel is going to come late 2021 to Disney Plus, and from the little scissor reel they showed, it's like when there's like coming of age superhero. Give me very Spider-Man Homecoming vibes. And I feel like I'm going to really love that because that's my jam. Yeah. <laughs> and then we kind of talked about the rest. Hawkeye with Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. And she's just going to kill it in that role. <laughs> but yeah, James Gunn's coming back to do a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special for I'm Disney+. Plus. So excited. I'm and so they're really also excited. making I Am Groot shorts, which will be shorts with Groot on it. Yeah, I mean, that's fine, but the holiday special. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Um, Christian Bell is joining the next Thor. He's going to be playing a villain named Gore the God Butcher. Mahershala Lee is starring a Blade film. Payne Reed will come back for the next Ant-Man film, Ant-Man the Wasp Quantum Mania, which will bring Catherine, Catherine Newton as Cassie Lang and yes. Jonathan Majors as King the Conqueror. Yeah. Catherine Newton's going to be in Mar- the Marvel Universe? Yes. That is so awesome. Okay, I'm on board. I'm more hyped for Jonathan Majors. Really? Yeah. Have you seen Why? Lovecraft Country? He's amazing in that. 
I mean, I'm more yeah, excited for Jonathan Majors because he's like this upcoming actor, and I like who started out in Last Black Man. Said, well, I don't think he started out there, but like he came on the scene in Last Black Man, and he was really great in that movie, and you know he was great in The Five Bloods. He, I've heard he's great in Lovecraft Country, and I love how he's just becoming this rising star, and I'm excited to see him. I'm more but excited. Ha- Captain, have you seen Captain Newton's great? Oh. Freaky and Blockers. I've seen Blockers. I am not gonna watch Freaky. You, you wanted? I, I read our friend Nicole's review of uh, Freaky. I want to read it here. Can I do that? Yeah. Okay. It's apparently a quote from the movie that says, "I've been slinging peanuts to assholes all week." Yeah, that's a quote. That's that's from the movie. Let's let's uh, <laughs> let's applaud her for that, please. I don't think Captain Newton says that, so. I, 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 I know, but I just wanted to I read think, that. I think it was Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn's so bad in that movie. He just oh, I've screams heard he's like, like a the, little... I've Wait, heard yeah. he's like the best part of that movie. If, if you like silly performances where grown men pretend to be little girls, yeah, sure, but... That's probably <laughs> the so entire performance. It's, it's a, a one-joke shtick where he's running around and, like, being like, oh my god, I like my outfit and stuff like that. Like, it that's sounds like the- Rudy Giuliani, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard like something happens in the movie that I feel like, like I'm surprised it wasn't like controversial that Vince Vaughn does. I don't know in that movie. Oh, is it where he like looks down his pants and then he's like, no, oh. it was it's with her crush. <laughs> Not to oh. spoil. Uh, they they never they never there's no, no they never I read that they kiss. No, it 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 cuts away before they actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, it, that's good. Okay. It's like they're about to, and then he's like, "No, this is too weird." Okay. Yeah. And then that, that would be weird. And then the little last thing about Marvel worth mentioning is that John Watts is going to direct a Fantastic Four movie. This is what fourth times the charm. <laughs> so yeah that's basically all the thousand projects new renounced <laughs> some exciting things and whatnot we spent an hour talking about the new Disney projects anyway if, if they mess up the if they mess up the Fantastic Four again I say we just sign a pact to never do Fantastic Four yeah I'll, I'll be honest I'm very excited for the Fantastic Four thing mostly oh, because yeah, because it's going to be part of the MCU, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I right. think I think this is the way forward for the MCU. I think if this really hits it big, they're going to start bringing the X-Men in, and this is how um, the MCU is going to continue because, um, you know, we're finished with a lot of the big characters like Iron Man. Um, I think seeing Spider-Man interact with, like, the, like, the thing and stuff, like, that's going to be so cool. Yeah, well, I like, think. Well, like I've been hearing theories about Wandavision, right? And they're thinking that, like, because it's confirmed that it's going to connect to Doctor Strange too, and it's about like the multiverse. That, um, like one thing that might happen, which I think will be very cool, is like Wanda is going to try and get Quicksilver back, but instead of the Quicksilver from the MCU, she gets the one from the X Men movies. 
And there's like a rumor that Evan Peters, the actor, is supposed to be on the show. So I don't know. But I hope I feel so. Like that'd be really cool. Like a really cool twist and whatnot. The X-Men Quicksilver is so much better than the uh, the Marvel Quicksilver, in my opinion. So That's like right. saying uh, you're the tallest kid in kindergarten, though. It's not that hard. Yeah, but, <laughs> but Evan Peters is great. Like, he's a cool actor. Yeah. That's yeah, true. I, I actually love the Quicksilver in the X-Men movies. Yeah, cool. he's one of the best parts. So, he is the best part. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. And Hugh Jackman, too, I think. I mean, of, like, the new ones. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I get what you mean now. So, we're going to transition to all the originals that from November and December that came out that we see and whatnot, all that jazz. Okay. <laughs> um, so, the first one that came out was Inside Pixar, which were these five shorts that tell about the people who worked at Pixar Animation Studios. Um, I know... Couple people have seen on here, and I I really liked it. It was like my number one for the longest time in terms of just these little quick things about the people that worked at Pixar, and I liked how it like focused on one specific thing. And there were so many things I didn't know about, such as there was the lady who created a tool to have a more gender balance in their scripts for all the Pixar movies going forward and how she created that tool to include more equal, like, male and female voices. And so it's not, like, one overpowering the other. And so just, like, little cool things like that that we probably wouldn't know if it wasn't for this show. Yeah. Um, so this is um really interesting short. Um, as you may find out in a minute, I'm not as in love with Pixar as I think everyone else on the podcast is. I like a lot of their stuff. Um, I love, 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 love Ratatouille and The Incredibles. I think Ratatouille especially is one of the greatest animated movies ever made. And it, it's yeah. also just a great movie in general and the incredibles is also one of those and you know i i mean i also you know i'm and i like the first two toy story movies of course as well but i i find i found it hard to connect with some of their more recent ones i am not a very big fan of toy story 3 i i i know that everyone is going to want to rip, rip my head off for that i know yeah um I just don't think it's as good as the first two, or even as good as four. Honestly, I thought four was better. That's uh, that's a hot take. Yeah, um, I'm also not a big fan of Inside Out. I think Anomalisa did what Inside Out was doing better. I'm not gonna lie. I think Anomalisa is just a better film. Um, and the Good Dinosaur was terrible. <laughs> Cars I'm, too. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. No, yes, it is not. It is. it is so good. It's, what is it's, wrong with you guys? Tristan, it's, it's a good movie. I'm with you, Tristan. It's, Heck yeah. Dude, I'm with I, you, cried, I cried like five times in that movie, and I have no idea why. What? <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's my quote of the me, day. It made me really emotional. Um, I don't think I've ever cried more in a movie. Watch a bright summer day, then. <laughs> Cars 2 it was was terrible. I... Um, I 
two is so good. Um, <laughs> I love how, like, we as a society can collectively agree that Cars 2 is, like, the worst Pixar film for some reason. Like, I, I think we can add that to the list of things. <laughs> I don't think it's the worst Pixar film. I think Brave is worse. Yeah, Brave is not good either. Um, Because at I least like... with Cars 2, you get a tow mater as a spy. That's pretty sick. <laughs> um, and Coco is pretty good. Oh, I love Coco. I I don't love it as much as like Ratatouille or Incredibles too. And Toy Story Four is kind of the same way. I think Coco is better than Toy Story Four though. Coco's great. Um, and then but but in in Soul is like top five Pixar easy. I I thought it was better than everything they made in the 2010s and we're going to talk more about soul later but you know in onward was like fine like i like i thought it was fine i also cried during onward <laughs> um did i forget monsters university oh yeah that movie's fine um, yeah that's why like it's not that good but you know, watching Inside Pixar gave me this new appreciation for the way for animation and filmmaking in general. I'm not a big animation head. I'm not like an expert on it. I don't really watch that many animated movies. But I, I think this film it definitely like shows that like it, it's a very um beautiful. Like it's maybe not beautiful is, is the right word, but like very meticulous process to animate films, and in many ways, making an animated film is harder than making a live action film, and you see that here. And one of the most interesting aspects of this show was when um was the was the first episode on on Soul Kent Powers, um who who also who you know I learned. I mean, he he also wrote One Night in Miami. Um, both the screenplay for the film and the play it was based on. He also like wrote some episodes of Star Trek Discovery and stuff. And here he is doing a Pixar film that is very rooted in Black American culture. Like it's a movie like on the Gold Derby Horses Best Picture episode. We talk a lot about the African American experience and how it relates to the film this year. And the film very much shows that in the scene, in, it, sh- it, it goes into detail about how Kemp Powers wrote the scene in the barbershop and how it's like so rooted in like black culture and how it, it derives from, you know, many black Americans coming together in this barbershop and as, a po- as, um, as it relates to soul. And like where a lot of like African American culture, I guess I how do I say this kind of merges, kind of meets or something like that. I uh, or I don't know, help me out here. Um, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to think of a way to word this. I think like, that's right. Like um, comes together. Yeah, I guess, and it was a really fascinating way of showing that. And um, yeah, it's. And I think, and, and also the the animator who's doing Luca and like how she found inspiration from her parents' home in Italy. Yeah. Like, 
like a lot of really interesting um, stuff in this show that's yeah. really um, really fascinating. And you know, it gave me like this whole new appreciation for filmmaking in general. As someone who is really like fascinated by the filmmaking process and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so that episode about the lady who like who was talking about um actually to think about it, I think it was in that episode she was talking about how you know how in Seoul there was the what's their name the Jerry's and yeah. to, to figure out how they should look like um she made like wire sculptures of them and that's how their like form came to be and so it's just like little cool things like that and for like Luca we got like a few looks at like the sea monster and stuff so it's just like cool little details like that and they showed her going to Italy and taking pictures because that's what Disney does <laughs> like if you're on the animation team they're like whisk you to like like for Luca, you'll go Italy, so you actually study the architecture and how everything looks. I remember for like Frozen, the the team all went to Norway to see like the culture and whatnot, and so it was just really cool stuff. I really liked too that episode about that guy from Canada who wrote that story about like coming out and it being on Disney Plus and like having that representation for kids too like warms my heart and like yeah Pixar's doing it and it was so sweet and uh really great hope we get more stories like that on disney yeah i i totally agree with you that episode was also um was also great and um it's great to see you know more stories like like that um being put at the forefront of uh you know things like pixar and stuff and it's not to say that they're leading the charge in any in any way i'm not necessarily trying to imply that i'm just saying it's great that they're putting a lot of this stuff you know forward and telling um these people's stories in the way they need to be told yeah um Right, did you see a couple episodes, I think you said? I saw the episode with Kim Powers, and that's it. And I'm really sad about that, because if you guys don't know, like, I did not come into this realm of wanting to make movies when I grow up. And I, like, okay, let me redo that. I did not enter, like, whenever I grew up, I wanted to do animation. I didn't want to be a filmmaker, necessarily. That just was kind of the next step in my process of wanting to become an artist was, oh, I, I kind of want to film things with a camera as well. But like it, it originally started exclusively as I want to draw characters and I want to animate things. And um, so Pixar was like my thing. Like people just knew me as the guy who was obsessed with Pixar. Like I, I've seen every movie I countless times. I've studied all the Pixar movies I've seen just about every documentary and thing you can see so like the fact that I haven't even watched all the series yet it's kind of shows how busy I've been lately <laughs> honestly but I did see the one with Kim Powers and I thought it was really interesting 
But the way you guys are talking about the different stories that were told, I'm definitely excited to see what else series has in store. Um, yeah. I think in the investor day, they announced, too, that there's going to be more episodes in the coming months of Inside Pixar. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'll go through really quickly what else I know. I've seen, like, the Lego Star Wars holiday special. It's fine. <laughs> it's really forgettable, though. That it was awful. Why was there so much hate on it on Letterboxd? I don't understand. It's yeah, it doesn't deserve the hate, but it's no like Raiders of the Lost Ark <laughs> or anything like that. It's just like a fun little like fan service thing to get you in the holiday spirit or something. There's the wonderful world of Mickey Mouse, which kind of just screams Brett. <laughs> Like, I felt like he would love it. Like, the animation's amazing. There's a lot of great, like, inside Disney jokes. Like, there's a whole episode on the House of Tomorrow and whatnot. That was really great. I've seen a handful of episodes. The House of Tomorrow one is amazing. It's hilarious. I love it. Um, Have you seen the episode where Daisy and Donald are trying to run away from Mickey and Minnie? Because yes. Double Day? That is... Yeah maybe the best 10 minutes of cartoon I've seen in years. It's brilliant. I, I'm like, I was so hard. Like, yeah. My eyes. No, it's, it's fantastic. I love the wonderful world of Mickey Mouse. Like what they're doing with that show. I think I explained this in the group chat. Like there's also one about cheese wranglers, I think. Yes. <laughs> Super silly and weird. But as much as I love Pixar, like I described earlier, Pixar made this wave of animation that was, oh, let's treat animation more seriously and let's ground animation, which is cool for Pixar. But animation was used to make the impossible possible and to make the wacky tangible. And it seems like they've been straying away from that for a bit. And this Mickey Mouse cartoon stuff seems like classic Looney Tunes slapstick in its best. And it also has this really... It has this really odd Cartoon Network edge to it that sounds like it should not work, but it's worked wonderfully. And I liked the Mickey Mouse shorts before as well. I think, I don't know, Jared, have you seen Potato Land? No, but, I have not. Okay, look up Potato Land. It's maybe the funniest thing you'll ever watch in your life. I watch it at least, I'll watch it at least 10 to 15 times a year. I'm not kidding. I have it rated as a five on Letterboxd. Like, it is the best thing. Wait, is this a Mickey Mouse short? Yeah, Mickey Mouse and Potato Land. Oh, okay. I think I might have seen that one. Yeah, okay. I know what you're talking about. The the idea of the short film is that Goofy wants to go to Potato Land, and he believes it to be an amusement park, but it's some random, like, desolate city in, like, Idaho that they drive to. And so Mickey and Donald decide to make an entire amusement park with potatoes. <laughs> to appease goofy and it's, it's the so funny good. thing it's so good i i love it so much um <laughs> anyway but yeah i love the wonderful world of mickey mouse and again the episode where mickey and minnie are trying to take care of donald and daisy is so funny and all the horror yeah. tropes all the horror tropes they poke fun at it's so good and even like the designs of that show, like the character design and animation, is flawless. Yeah. Backgrounds look gorgeous. It's awesome. I love it. I'm really excited. I love- Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. One, the chance. Yeah, 
Um, I liked the one too that was the disco. If you seen, if you saw that episode, I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, that one's a good one, and the supermarket hustle one was interesting too. There's a lot of interesting ideas, and it's a fun little thing that you guys should check out. Um, next thing I saw was Marvel Six One Six, which was interesting. I was like really hyped for it, but I was kind of let down a little. Because the whole point is, like, different aspects of Marvel. And, like, there's this, like, one episode about, um, that's just about, like, unboxing and the toys. And the other one was just, like, the Marvel method, how they made the comic books. And they did it in a way that just wasn't interesting to me. Like, those two episodes I wasn't a big fan of. But there were other cool ideas. Like, there's one episode entirely based on the Japanese Spider-Man that was made and and like just how it was made and the effects of that like that was a cool episode my favorite has to be when they did called marvel called spotlight and it's about um i guess marvel makes plays marvel plays for high schoolers to put on so it's like this hour-long um episode about these kids in florida who are playing a marvel play and it's really interesting to see their backstories and, you know, finally overcome to do these plays. Overall, it's super interesting, especially if you're into Marvel, just explain those different aspects. Like, there's one episode all about, like, cosplaying, too. That's really interesting, how it inspires people. Oh, wait, can, on... I, can I talk about Marvel 616? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually watched some of it. Um, yeah, if you guys don't know, my dad worked in comics for a while, and he has his own series out. Um he he worked on colored he colored issues of the Scrooge comic the Uncle Scrooge comic and Batman and stuff in the 90s and so I've been around comic book stuff like my entire life and I've been to several conventions so I definitely know about a lot of the inside baseball stuff that was explored in the series so I actually only watched parts of the series once again I kind of so I watched one where the guy was trying to pitch a series for like I forget what it was called but it was like this really oh like animal hybrid thing that yes. I, was, I would actually watch that in a heartbeat if they released that that was cool but the one i thought was interesting was this guy who um still went and so an issue with i think comics lately so marvel originally stood with stan lee and jack kirby and they kind of wrote their own thing and did their own they just they vibed differently i guess it was like you know, I have issues of Devil Dinosaur from Jack Kirby, and it's just really weird and abstract and bizarre and colorful. And um, Marvel now kind of wants you to write something that fits more of a formula, that propels a different narrative, and needs to fit in these guidelines. And there's an episode where they focus on a guy who still originally writes comics the way that he was taught by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. And it drives, like, the artists insane because, like, he'll just drop them the notes, like, last minute. And I thought that was actually a really compelling idea of the episode, like, because, like, I understand, like, he's his creative process is more creative than the other ones. But also, like, he's making people pull head, like, he's stressing people out because he's not playing by the rules. Therefore, like, they can't get this comic colored on time. So it's just, like... This weird juxtaposition I thought was interesting, but yeah. Yeah. Like, there's one, too, that was all about, like, 
two different people like who drew who draw like the comics and whatnot their daily routine how they got there and like one guy was like grew up in Mexico and like loved the Donald Duck comics and he would beg his parents to like buy it and he would just draw Donald Duck all over his notebook and like really interesting stuff like that um so going on a little rant about the next one, so there's a documentary called The Real Right Stuff, which kind of goes into a Disney Plus show called The Right Stuff. Um, and it kind of like goes back to like the main problem with Disney Plus in terms of they still kind of don't know what to be. Because if you, you guys ever watch The Right Stuff, it's a Disney Plus original, but there's like, there's cursing, there's a sex scene but it's still pg-13 but it's still a sex scene and like whole plots about like men having affairs with their with other women even though they have wives and you know like really mature stuff and yet they can't do lizzie mcguire or firefly has to be pg if they ever reboot that it just is driving me insane now that they i don't know uh well the right stuff is based on um the movie, right? 1984? Sure. Um, I think it's yeah, based on of. real events. And there's a book. I think they said that it's based on the book. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Because I, I guess maybe the reason why they do that is because, like, if, if it, it is, if that movie is also based on the book, I mean, that's a property that kids aren't familiar with. They're not really going to be that interested in it. But I guess, like, older audiences and... Um, you know, older kids could watch it. Um, but, like, with something like Lizzie McGuire, uh, that, that's something that kids are going to be interested in, so they have to kind of keep that balance. But I agree with you. It's kind of ridiculous. Their yeah. censorship doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like, I don't even know about that, though, because I don't think I could walk up to, like, an 8-year-old kid and be like, hey, do you know who Lizzie McGuire is? Because they probably won't know. I think the show, the whole point was for the people who are now, like, in their late 20s, early 30s who grew up with Lizzie McGuire. But anyway, that show was canceled, by the way, so... Like, okay, so it's kind of like, you know, Boy Meets World, how it originally played on Disney Channel for the first two seasons. But then the characters grew up, and they were like, oh, we want to deal with, like, them going to prom and questioning premarital sex and all this stuff. You know, Disney Channel's like, well, we're not into that. And so they just took it to ABC, and ABC's like, yeah, we'll play the rest of the seasons of Boy Meets World. Like, they've always been kind of talking about stuff like that. Yeah. You know? I don't know, like, there's some, like, other shows also on Disney Plus that kind of, like, talk about, like, questionable topics, too. Like, I talked about this last episode, but there's a show called Diary of a Future Present, and there's, like, a full scene where the mom, like, has... <laughs> it's It's a funny scene, but, like, she pulls her like son to have a conversation she brings like a notebook of like not to have how do I describe it she I'm trying to find the words like like about safe sex and whatnot and I'm like oh this because it's like geared towards middle schoolers and elementary school kids so that was really interesting to see like that on a Disney plus show I don't know I feel like they they're trying to tell the line
go to a isolated cabin with Jack Antonoff, who's from Fun and Bleachers, and uh, um, the guitarist from The National. And the three of them just kind of sit and chat about the pandemic and isolation and um, the creative process and how this situation has fueled their creativity and has made them really want to reflect on their lives and come out with something with a little more substance than what I guess what Taylor usually drops and uh, it's just like a live concert and a live conversation but it's very intimate and um, I think it really captures the spirit of the album beautifully Um, and I think some of these covers like well not covers but some of the live performances are even better than the originals so yeah I, I love this documentary I think it's fantastic and I think if you're a big fan of Taylor Swift or just curious about this new phase of her career it's definitely worth a watch yeah I absolutely love this I think it is so like Tristan said Folklore isn't my favorite album of the year but it's definitely in my top five favorite albums of the year I I thought it was a brilliant brilliant album and this is coming from someone who's always been skeptical of Taylor Swift's entire discography and her career. Um, my sister was a huge fan. Um, and so I heard Taylor Swift's music all the time in my house. So I have a nostalgia for the, that reason alone for a simpler time in my life. I actually got to visit the set that Love Story was filmed at, that music video for Love Story. So that's kind of an interesting fact. That's awesome. But yeah actually in nashville so um we shout that out but anyways regardless back to back to the documentary i thought this was beautiful i mean documentary sort of concert film i don't know but this felt like this was a really nice cozy like sit by the fireplace with a nice cup of coffee on a cold day and watch taylor swift strum a guitar and play live her best album and what was interesting is i actually thought that the long pond studio sessions were actually better recorded and mixed than the album itself like it sounds so pristine here like i remember that taking me aback being like oh wow it just seems like i for some like when i think that like studios need to realize that sometimes less production is more and that was definitely with folklore which i like the original record like it sounds great but i think the long punk sessions honestly um fix any issues i have with the album i think i think it's pretty perfect honestly and i love their little discussions they have in between each song talking about their meanings and intentions because it definitely helped me connect more of the overall narrative that taylor was telling and it was just it was a nice warm hug i when i watched this it was really late at night and you know i was going through my own worries about the world and it was just a nice way to escape and i think that's about what i have to say about it i just think it's great i i, I loved it yeah um so like <laughs> i <laughs> this is gonna be awkward um i i never listened to the album because i'm just generally just not a music person I, I just don't know why. That's the old weird me for you guys. So this was like my first time hearing it. And it was interesting. I loved 
the whole experience of like Taylor being like, oh, I wrote this because this, 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 and she got to write a lot of songs with Joe. And I, I guess we talked about this, but I think my favorite is still Cardigan, which I think I know is everyone's least favorite. I don't know, yeah. but oh well, we're going to live with that. <laughs> and it was just so interesting. I love the vibe it created, and, and it was warm, and this release like around Thanksgiving, so it's just warm, cozy weather, and it was nice. I don't think it's one of the best things on the streaming site, but it's there, and it's fun. <laughs> so, I haven't actually listened to the album either, which I guess feels kind of like blasphemy since I live in Nashville, or around Nashville, and that's where Taylor's from, so I'm sorry, Nashvilleians. But hearing like what you guys actually like had to say about it, it sounds, it sounds interesting, and... You know, we it feels like we don't get as many of these docs as maybe we should get because it gives you more of a human portrait into the creations of these albums and, like, I guess, I don't know, the meaning behind them or something. I don't know. It's kind of weird how I say it, but I no, think you guys sense. get it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so, you yeah. know... And I would like to see see like a Sufjan Stevens, uh, one of these at some point, you know, like that. I think that would be super cool. And yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. Disney Plus, this is on like their second time dropping something random with from a musician. The first was the Beyonce Blackest King, which is really cool to look at, and the production design, like. Huh, now I'm thinking that could probably get nominated for costume design at Oscars. I don't know. That would be crazy if it does, but... <laughs> I don't I, think I, it's I w- eligible, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know. Just thinking on At Midnight with Jared Rocha. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'm excited for all these mysterious, like... Maybe there's a Fiona Apple special coming soon to Disney Plus that we'll get to see. Oh, there's no way that they would do that. <laughs> yeah, Fiona's a little too edgy for Disney. But um, I, I think... I'd be into most, it, though. I, I think you're onto something, though, because, like, Taylor, like, they got The National on here and Boney there and yeah. Bleachers. Like, they're getting some indie artists and, like, The National and Boney Bear in particular... Two of the most acclaimed artists working today, really in the hipster scene. So, um, yeah, I, I think Disney could end up producing some and some more stuff be, like that. To be fair, folklore is a little edgy. I mean, there's cursing, and it's about, like, I'm trying to remember, because this was, like, all last month. It was, like, it's about, like, love and bad times and breakups and whatnot it's not exactly snow and the seven dwarves you know i don't know i i mean like but like taylor herself is like like very like pure in a lot of ways like like of course she's she's like uh she's got a lot of sides to her and i like that we got to see the real her um and i liked that it was unfiltered but like fiona like if you've if you've seen her interviews or like have read stuff about her and stuff like she uh she is not 
And yeah, like Taylor Swift. That was like, just oh. the first artist that came to my mind. I don't know. <laughs> she actually, she used to uh, snort cocaine with um, uh, with Quentin Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson. They used, she used to date Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Uh, I just knew her because she wrote the best song on Central Park, which is a great show on Apple TV+. Plus. Anyway, Black Beauty, I saw that. It was horrible. Don't watch it. Wait, what is? Black Beauty. It's Kate Winslet narrates her as a horse. And it's like a fragrance commercial. It's so bad. And then it turns to Animal Abuse, the movie, for like the rest of the 45 minutes of the movie. It was just awful. That sounds insane. It can't be any... uh, It can't be like that much worse than Ammonite, though. Was Ammonite... I thought you like gave it a three or something, or maybe I'm it's, wrong. Yeah, what? I I I did. I, I I don't know why I said that. So if it's like a two and a half, then it's worse than Ammonite. Yeah, sure. It's there's no way that she didn't give it there. It like she, she, Kate wants to give it there performance. Ammonite and Black Beauty. There's no way she did it. <laughs> But she doesn't narrate a horse and self-fragrant. Neither one of them are as good as Tammy and the T-Rex. So. <laughs> also starring Kate Winslet. Yeah. Um, next, there's they launched a show called Beyond the Clouds, which is like behind the scenes of the movie Clouds, which I think specifically interesting because this is his movie, and you should add it on your like 2020 watch list, Clouds. It's, it's really good. I really liked it. And this series is a cool, introspective look. I saw God, Godmothered, and it's fine. It's like the pure formula for a Disney live-action movie. Nothing really stands out. It's a good time. Um, High School Musical, the musical, the holiday special. I really like the show I talked about in the first episode. Holiday special is nice. I like the look into season two and... Just made me excited for whenever that comes back next year. Uh, I recently just finished this next one called On Point, and it's just documentary series about um, these students at SAB American School of Ballet, and it was really well done. Look, like a really well done look into the lives of these students who are doing like at this ballet school, and just all the trials and tribulations. And just how much they sacrifice for their dreams. And then it, the ending is just like a punch in the stomach because COVID hits. And like throughout the show, like all these older students are getting internships and sponsors and they're doing their big shows. And it's just so weird too because like they show like March 2020. And it's, like, all the kids are, like, packing out their dorms. They're, like, yeah, we're just leaving for two weeks. And you're, like, oh, no, the babies, they don't know what's going to happen. And, like, it's a really sucky ending. But I think overall, like, the show is a really cool look into students' lives. And just it proves overall that Disney Plus just has a really great selection of non-fiction documentaries like this is up there with the frozen documentary the frozen 2 documentary and the imagineering story 
the sad part though is the guy who was the head i think his name was like david green or something like that that was the head of all these like unscripted series and stuff just left for like netflix so i'm so i'm like no i'm really worried for all the nonfiction shows that are coming now which is gonna get more kate winslet narrated stuff where she's all <laughs> fragrant she'll narrate um a documentary about horses for national geographic <laughs> i'm down and then we'll finally come to it boys and girls the famous acclaimed Pixar short Burrow. <laughs> I think has did anyone see that? I, I didn't see it. it. No. I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard it's good. It's cute. That's all I'll say about it. And it's very on. I love the animation style. And like the message of like make sure you ask for help, kids. Okay. So right. Soul was this movie that was supposed to come out in theaters during the summer. But then, of course, COVID happened, and now it's on Disney Plus just in time for Christmas Day. And my little thing I want to say before we get to everyone else is I feel like what a perfect movie to release, like, right before the new year starts. It's kind of like this reminder to the people of the world, like, enjoy life, man, (laughs) in the simplest form. Like, the ending, like, really shook me to my core, and, like... This is one of those movies that really hit me this year because I personally, like, just always think my life is just amounting to nothing. Like, when, like, not to go too deep into spoilers, but, like, when he, when Joe was, like, walking through, like, the hall, was it, no, it's not the hall of everything. It was the, the little, like, portrait of you. And he's like, what a sad, pathetic life. I'm like, oh, I feel that. Because that's, like, my life right now. And so, like, the ending, like, tore, like, my body and my emotions apart, man. And so thanks, Pixar, for, like, ruining my emotions. I don't think I'm going to cry for the next month. Woo! (laughs) Yeah, Soul is, um... I think I said earlier that it's, like, top five Pixar movies. It's, like, top three, honestly. It's... Oh, man, that movie is just so... It's one of their most unique films. I think it's one of their riskiest films. It takes, like, more risks than other Pixar films. I think all around it's, like, just a really unique, amazing, um, special movie... With this really great, um, like, concept and uh, animation, of course, coming from Pixar. It's got a really cool story. I think that, um, you know, Soul, like, it's just this really, um, I, I, I don't know, it's it's really, really fun. I don't know if I should say fun, cause like, but, like, I don't know. It's really interesting to think about when you think about it in the context of, um, I, I, I guess, uh, like, religion, considering what this movie's subject matter is. And I'm not a very, I'm not, like, a very religious person. I honestly, like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't care less about religion. I'm really just kind of agnostic, agnostic to the idea. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but it, it, it makes you think about that stuff in a really interesting way. And, you know, to someone like me, 
who, you know, I'm not so invested in religion. You, you know, I think that's a big accomplishment and something that the movie does really, really great. I think there are some concepts this movie brings up that I wish were explored more. But besides that, I think Soul's just a, very, a really amazing film that, again, takes a lot of risks. And I think it's one of Pixar's best movies for that reason. Yeah, this is this is a lot. It's, it's definitely a movie that you have to sit with and let marinate. Um, just because what Pete Docter does here is, I think take Pixar's sensibilities and and then put it together with some really challenging philosophical ideas. And I think he creates one of Pixar's most ambitious and adult films to date, for sure, if not their most adult. I'm curious to see how this plays with kids. Uh, and I think there's one part in the film that will play very well with kids. There's one part that will play well for kids i personally found that part to be the weakest portion of the film and it kind of took me out a little bit so that's why i want to watch the movie again to see if that because they do end up they they go into trope territory and they do end up subverting the trope and i want to watch it again to see because i was thrown off so much to see if it it feels a, a little more uh consistent on second watch um, but I mean, this movie really blew me away, specifically the third act. Um, I think it's, it's a movie that really makes you think. Um, and it's a film that like Jared said, is, um, is an important watch right now because at least where I am in Canada, we're all on lockdown. Um, it's Christmas time and none of us like we weren't able to go see our families. Like my grandparents come over every year for Christmas Eve. They've been doing it my entire life. This is the first year where they weren't able to come. So, you know, you feel distant from, from people around you. And um, it kind of feels like being trapped in lockdown and COVID and everything. It feels like, like, what's the point? Where's the beauty in life and stuff? Um, and soul really captures that you don't always need to look at the bigger picture and you have to appreciate those small moments and to not to bring up boyhood like I do on every single podcast, but like it, it kind of plays well into that saying, like, let the moment seize you. I think that's soul really, um, I guess captures that message and brings it to, uh, like, presents it in a really compelling way that I think will um, resonate with both adults and children. So, yeah. And, and it's just a stunning film, like, visually, too. The fact that, like, like all the backgrounds are completely photorealistic. Um, and it's, it's kind of a shame we don't get to see this on an IMAX screen because I feel like it would have been beautiful watching this um, on, a, on a huge screen like that. And the score yeah. as well. Like, oh, imagine hearing with IMAX speakers, hearing Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's, like, score and the jazz score as well. Yeah, so amazing movie. One of Pixar's best in recent years, for sure. Definitely a top 10 for me in Pixar's filmography. And that's that's a big deal because, like, I'm, I'm a massive fan. I love pretty much everything they've put out. 
except for some recent stuff. So, yeah. Um, guys, I just remember Soul was supposed to play a can. Yeah, yeah, that would have been amazing. So, for me, I I wrote up something on Letterboxd about this when I watched it, and I can kind of summonate my thoughts from what I wrote on Letterboxd um, and spinball off of that. So, for me, like I mentioned earlier in this podcast, like maybe 40 minutes ago, we talked about Inside Pixar. Um, Pixar is, is pretty much the reason why we even have Toy Box in the first place. Like It was definitely the thing for me that I wanted to do when I grew up. I, I've written on several things when in middle school, you know, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? I'd be like, oh, I want to work at Pixar. Like, that was just immediately the answer for me. And within the last decade, I've just kind of been disappointed in Pixar's filmography. And it has led me down a road to where, like, it opened me up to other movies, to be entirely honest. It made me realize I want to be a filmmaker in just about every regard, not just animation. But I, there was a part of me that thought that the, the... So for me, Pixar, what's so special about them is that their movies grow and resonate with you depending on the stage of life that you're in. So I've told this story before. I, I loved Finding Nemo as a kid. I remember one day watching Finding Nemo and it really hitting with me what Finding Nemo was about. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. And it was the, the idea, like, I distinctly, I distinctively remember watching the scene um, and Marlon and Dory were in the whale. And Marlon had, like, shouted that he promised his son Nemo that he would protect him from everything, you know. And Dory was like, well, if you don't love Nemo live, that doesn't sound like a good life. Like, why then Nemo can't live, you know. And... I mean, I butchered that line. It was told a lot more beautifully, you know. But, like, I think we remember that, like, hitting me in the gut that, that specific day. And, like, another moment, like, in Wally, I remember always laughing at the line that the captain says when he rebels against the, the computer monitor that's trying to take over the ship, you know. And he goes, I don't want to survive. I want to live. And I remember laughing at that, thinking that's a dumb line when I was a kid. And one day watching it and being like, well, ouch. And I think, like, to me, that was the special thing about Pixar was that their films could teach you things that you didn't know about yourself until you watched them. And I think that was what was missing for me for Pixar within the last decade. Um, because all the sequel stuff, I think, is kind of, eh. But, like, even Inside Out, which I, I love, I actually really love Inside Out, I didn't learn anything about myself when I watched Inside Out. I thought it was this really excellent parable especially for kids about how to handle your emotions but like i didn't learn anything about myself watching it same with coco i thought coco was this beautiful film about death and how your ancestors pass on legacy and it was gorgeous and intimate but it, i didn't learn anything from it same with toy story 4 you know it's this cool parable about literally about self-fulfillment trying to find where you you land in life, you know, and but Soul was something. So earlier this year, Onward came out, and I thought Onward was okay, and I kind of thought, okay, this is what Pixar is going to be now. They're kind of just going to be the 
animation studio that is just kind of like DreamWorks. And because they, 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 they just kind of lost that touch they had once upon a time. And then Soul comes out by Pete Docter. And I was been super anticipating this movie because I thought it looked cool. There's also a part of me that looks like it seems like Pixar's going down the inside out well again. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting. And within the first 20, 25 minutes of this movie, I was like, oh, this is something really, really special. And this movie utterly floored me. And I mean, like, floored me. And, like, I watched it on Christmas Day. It's still, like, I just keep thinking about it. Like, I wake up and I think about it. And I go and I eat something and I think about it. And I go drive somewhere and I think about it. Like, it has it has not left me since I've watched it. It is this beautiful, beautiful film about essentially why we're alive. And... I, I love that this movie pretty much sets up that you have the spark and you have something that you're destined to do or something you're destined to be. But maybe the best we can do sometimes is just wake out, wake up, look outside and smell the fresh air and appreciate the fact that we did wake up that day. And that there's a bit more than to life than just being, having a fulfillment, but there's actually something that you have to discover within yourself. And that is like, not some not only is that not something that kids movies usually tackle that's not something that most any movie tackles it seems like every movie is you have the chosen one you have the wizard you have the superhero that needs to save the day and this movie is a complete inverse of that idea and it is so remarkable and i think from a filmmaking perspective the way this juxtaposes New York City to the dream sequences of the before of well the before born or whatever it's called the the before life is so so cool and it did kind of remind me of like Spider-Verse in that way it very much felt like it was new and it felt like it was something that we usually don't see every day and once again as much as like I enjoyed Inside Out, Inside Out felt like it was an animated movie that just happened to take place in the kid's head. There's another unsalvageable part here. It's just Brett talking about um, Inside Out. It's only a few seconds lost.
think it's all told in this one sequence towards the very beginning. And Joe lands in the in the before realm and he asks um Jerry, he goes, Is this heaven? you know, and Jerry's like, No, and he goes, Is this um H E double hockey stick? Whenever he said that, like I actually cringed and I'm like, he would never say that. And then the little soul spirits go, Hell, 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 hell. And that to me immediately went, Oh, Pixar saying we don't care. Like it's fine kids are gonna know what hell is like why on earth should we not tell them what hell is you know and that just like that immediately told me oh okay they've they've, they've got this like i can't tell you why but the very beginning when they pulled that i was like okay we're going to get a good pixar movie they're not going to dumb down its audience and they certainly didn't i don't even see kids really resonating with this that much at all to be completely honest a lot of its humor comes from knowing famous philosophers and writers of the 20th the early 21st century there's jokes about like um there's jokes about george orwell and there's um jokes about socrates and there's jokes about like liberation movements like it's very weird and heady and i don't know how well would have done in theaters but i do know that audiences are really resonating with it so that's cool and now I just hope it does well at the Oscars. Like I want to run its Oscar campaign. Disney hire me, but um, yeah, I, I I love this movie. I think not only is it one of the best, and not only is it easily the best movie of the year. There's not without a doubt in my mind that it is the best movie of the year. Nothing even comes close. It's top the top three Pixar, and I I, I genuinely like. I know this sounds like an exaggeration. I think it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's like straight up period. I think what it does is so special. What it does is so unique. It'll be remembered as this tentpole movie and it, it needs to win best picture. I, it, to me, it just feels like what I describe someone is it feels like it had the innovation of parasite that made me feel the same way I felt walking out of marriage. Book. It was like this, it was overwhelmingly emotional for me. So not to carry over or a bunch of discussions that we are go that we have had and going to have on, uh, Gold Derby Horses, uh, shameless plug. But I think if there were going to be an animated film to win Best Picture, this would be the perfect movie to do it. I think having seen the movie, it might be a little too heady for some audience members. But I do think it appeals to, like... Like, it, it will still appeal to them in a way where it'll be like, yeah, this, movie's, this movie is great. And, you know, and, and of course the headiness, it appeals to, you know, like, you know, like the, this, the Academy members who are going, who adore, who, who adore movies like Mank and um, Roma and uh, even like Moonlight to a certain degree, like movies that are more challenging to watch than, you know, certain movies like Trial of Chicago 7 or Green Book or La La Land that, you know, may, that, that, that are movies that are very accessible, but, you know, aren't necessarily as challenging as the films I just mentioned. Like, I think this movie can appeal to, like, both of those crowds. And so I think there is a route for it to win Best Picture, but I'm a, I'm a little less confident in that than I was when we recorded that first episode, having seen the film. But it's obviously going to win Best Animated Feature, and deservedly so. Like, nothing else even comes close. I, if, if, 
if Wolfwalker beat Soul for animated film, I will run around in my backyard in my underwear and film myself. Okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. That's actually a dare that I'm not going to uphold to. But I would be very upset. What if Over the Moon wins instead? Uh, if Over the Moon wins, I'm moving to Canada because I've given up on America. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think Seoul will also more than likely take score. Yeah. And if there's like a a, a song in the movie that's popular enough, it'll it it, it could definitely win that. Um, what song is in it? Like at the really... end. That, that's that's a song that's existed. It's a song. Yeah. Um. So Soul, I think, is definitely like going to be big at the um at the Oscars this year, and for good reason. It's a it's an amazing film. Yeah, it definitely seems like the type of film that will resonate with enough people to at least get it close to being like. A best picture frontrunner movie but you know not and not, again not to get super deep into the talk but we've got potential um dark horse best picture frontrunners like minari and maybe judas and the black messiah if that movie is what we think it might be so i think it might be hard but i don't think it's impossible yeah um so i don't know right if you wanted to talk a little about mandalorian season two that ended a couple days ago did you finish all of it? So I did. Yeah. Almost forgot about Mandalorian at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did finish Mandalorian season two. Um, so I love the first Mandalorian season. It's, it's, it's fantastic. I thought it had this really cool bounty hunter, Firefly-esque feel to it. It was a ton of fun. Um, Mandalorian season two started off great. I loved the episode with the giant worm. That was a ton of fun. I actually really love episode two. I know a lot of people don't, but like they um, help this frog lady save her eggs. That sounds really weird out of context, but it's yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yo, baby Yoda eats frog fetuses, technically. So that's yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I like that episode. Um, and the season kind of like dragged a little bit towards the middle for me. Definitely. Because there was a lot of setup, and they were setting up cool concepts, but it seemed like every episode was like, Mandalorian has to go to town. Mandalorian has to make deal with another space traveler to get that item to help ship get to the next place. Exactly. Every episode for a while. But then yeah. once it started getting towards the last few episodes, once they introduced Bill Burr back into the show, which was great, favorite um, episode of yeah. the entire show yeah that was cool it started to become pretty pretty awesome um i i love the last few episodes of this yeah the one with bill burr is amazing i love that episode and the very last episode got me um i know like the very last episode like everyone's talking about is like the greatest thing ever and like i was like this is gonna be overhyped and then i watched it and i was like no nah, that was really cool dang it it got me um, it was really awesome, and the reveal, very well done. Um, I love the fact that Gus from Breaking Bad is just going to play the same character in every show. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's, that's uh, Moff Gideon, right? <laughs> yeah, 
he was great. I love that actor, the way he did, the way he played that role. Yeah. I guess the guy watched Breaking Bad now. <laughs> yeah, he, it's, it's like literally the same role. It's great. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm just like, I'm digging Mandalorian and I'm excited to see what else they do with it. And yeah. It had some episodes that dragged a little bit. It kind of reminded me of like Twin Peaks season two. Like it started off strong season two. That's a few episodes where you go, okay, this is weird. It's not really going. And in the last two, you're the like, the ones oh. with uh, Nadine at the high school. Yeah, we don't we don't talk about Nadine in the high school. And <laughs> um, and uh, the Civil War reenactments with Ben Horn. Welcome to our humble horse home, General Lee. Thank you. Okay, what? those were funny though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Twin Peaks is really weird. The second season. Um, yeah, and then Nadine believing that she's a high school cheerleader is, is pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty whack, uh, but, you know, what do you expect from David Lynch? Well, even though Lynch didn't have much involvement at that point. Actually, yeah, but also The Return is like... Episode 8 of The Return is honestly maybe the weirdest thing David Lynch has ever made. And David Lynch also made Inland Empire. Yeah. But George got a light. He didn't say it right. You gotta say, got a light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got a light. And I think also just watching The Mandalorian, like, as an event with my family, it proves, like, when the good thing is about Disney Plus and what I see, like, HBO Max and Apple also doing as, like, these weekly releases, which I generally prefer more than the Netflix binge model. Because it's just like like season two started all the way back in October and it just and the show just ended like a week ago, you know, and and you just feel like you've gone this long journey and you've had time to process each episode versus binging for me, which can make my brain turn to mush and all the episodes just come together. Um, but yeah, I thought season two was great. I do agree with you though that felt repetitive and there were episodes where i'm like oh that was fun next um i loved the second to last episode because it also handled like like they had like that tense scene that like felt very much like the dinner scene in glorious bastards (laughs) um but yeah i think it was pretty great and i can't wait to see more and i think i feel like Again, I'll be optimistic for all the Star Wars shows in the future and all the other shows, but I think if we have good people behind it, it'll hopefully be good. I don't know. So that's basically it for this episode. Thanks for everyone who participated today in recording this episode. And thanks for everyone who's watching. Make sure you check out all these things on Disney+. Plus. Available to stream now. And join us next month. We'll be talking about WandaVision. And hopefully it's good. <laughs> it's it really, looks I hope pretty it's good. cool. Yeah. So make sure you stop by. Thank you for watching. Adios, amigos. Thank you for watching. Thank you for subscribing. <laughs>